This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Assalamualaikum, hello, Allah, and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. We're kicking off this hour with uh, continuing our conversation with conscious parenting expert Anissa Sharif. She is back because last week we had an incredible response to the show uh, that we did together uh, the first time that she's been on Life Beats talking all about um, disciplining kids and does yelling work better than spanking because a lot of parents think that it is not as bad. We do it anyway, but actually it's crazy. It's crazy. It's the only thing that you do when you're an out of control parent. Well, we ended off the show uh, by talking about rewards and punishment. That's what we're going to get to this hour in this show because she says that reward and punishment are two sides of the same coin and actually rewards do not work when it comes to parenting. We're going to talk about why that's coming up next on Life Feeds on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. 95. 95. Keeping it local. Keeping it local. All day, every day. Pulse95. Heart of Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse95. 95. 95. Experts say that punishment and reward are two sides of the same coin and both can deprive children of the opportunity to take risks, develop creativity and, most importantly, to self-regulate. This is Life Beats. I'm Sally Musa and Anissa Al-Sharif, certified hand-in-hand instructor and conscious parenting educator, is back with me in the studio. Great to see you. Good morning, Sally. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming back because last week it was so interesting because uh, we were talking about yelling as a means of dealing with bad behavior because a lot of us parents think it's not as bad as hitting your child. Um, So we do it and we do it really because we're out of control. We don't know what else to do. We've tried other things and that's what we did. But uh, you gave us some amazing advice uh, with regards to that and and how how to deal with it differently because yelling can just like uh, any other kind of um, reaction, whether you're hitting your child or spanking, it can uh, trigger anxiety and depression in kids. Exactly. And it's not like... Um, teaching them anything at the moment. You're not. And that's the whole po- point of being a parent. You know? I, ha- I have to tell you, because I went home after the show, yeah. I was just feeling like incredible. you got to listen back to the podcast. If you haven't heard it, go back through the Life Beats podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. It's there, okay? I have to tell you, so I went home after the show. I went and picked up my kids from school uh-huh. and in the car on the way home, I just said, I'm not going to yell anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my girls. And they literally just had to pause. Uh-huh. They were like, what? <laughs> like, what happened to you? <laughs> I mean, you know, because I'm just a, an excited person generally. I will kind of be a bit loud when I'm happy, when I'm excited. And yes, when my kids do things that are not great, then I, you know, I may yell a bit. <laughs> they will tell you. Um, but I actually just said, look, I'm not going to yell anymore. And actually between when you were last on, so uh-huh. uh, last week and today... 
It's maybe gone down like 90%. Oh, bravo. The yelling. I kid you not. Good job. I kid you not. This is like incredible because I, you know, it's it, you're in that kind of conscious place and then you have an alternate way of dealing with the situation. And you were talking mm-hmm. about how, you know, bringing yourself in True. and kind of being there and holding that space mm-hmm. for your child mm-hmm. can, it, it really changes things. It really changes yeah. things. And you put yourself there and... You acknowledge the feelings that they're going through uh-huh. um, and why they're acting out and maybe they don't know what to do and mm-hmm. being there in that space changes things. Yeah, and it builds the, the connection again. You reconnect with them and this is the most important thing. If the connection is broken, you see all of these off-track behaviors. Connection is vital for kids. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just, so thank you. I love that. Yeah, sure. Well, let's see how it goes again this week. <laughs> okay, this is more interesting because it's uh, something that people don't think of as a uh, a bad thing, usually. Because rewards. we're talking about rewards, exactly. Mm-hmm. And But you're saying um, we actually shouldn't be rewarding kids and a lot of experts agree with you. So let's go back. Let's uh, take this back again and see... You know, because this is all rooted in science. It's mm-hmm. not stuff that you've just come up on your no, own. It's not my personal opinion. Right. No. Okay. So where did this all start? Okay. So let's start from the very, very beginning. Mm. Right. And ask the question, why do we use rewards to start with? That will clear things. Okay. Um, so usually we use them for two different or two um, different objectives to um, discipline manage a certain behavior Mm -hmm. or to motivate okay and i'd like to talk about each of them separately and give you an overview of what the science actually says on each one and then maybe we'll talk about what can we do alternatively exactly and why do we discipline as well in the first place yeah so why Mm. do we discipline so discipline if you go back to the origin of the word it means teaching okay so Discipline is actually teaching. Unfortunately, we're kind of conditioned in a way to think of kids as um, creatures who don't know um, good from bad. Uh, We think of them most of the time um, as a blank page. Mm -hmm. So we think of our role as parents um, to be to teach them right from wrong, good from bad. Right. But Today, science is showing us lots of evidence that maybe the sense of good and bad is actually wired into kids from very early on. And I'd like to talk about this experiment that was done in um, Yale University. So they had kids, toddlers, actually, um, less than one year old, and they will show them uh, some scenes right very simple scenes they'll just act act them out with little puppets and little toys exactly so they would be in one of the scenes for example a circle trying to climb a mountain and they there comes um another character a triangle say who helps the circle to go up over uh the top and then they will close the scene will open it again and there's the same circle trying to go up Uh, on top of the mountain this time there would be a square that pushes her down Mm. and then they close the circle uh, the the curtain and they will play these scenes between 6 to 14 times until the child gets bored 
and show signs that they're not interested in looking at this anymore. And then they will go and offer the two different characters, the cooperative one and the one who's being a little bit, you know, bad. <laughs> and see which one of these characters the kids will choose. In 80% of the cases, those toddlers picked the good character, which was a huge um, aha moment for, for scientists. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, a weird thing that we don't tend to think of young children and toddlers um, as people who have the sense of good and bad, but they right. actually, they might have it. This is what uh, Paul Bloom, who's the researcher at Yale University, um, who studies, this is a study, like morality in babies. Exactly. Um, and he's even written the book Just Babies. Mm-hmm. Um, he argues exactly what you're talking about, what we saw in these experiments, that um, it, it, humans are in fact born hardwired. Yes. Um with morality, a sense yeah. of good and a yeah. sense of evil. It is within us, apparently. Um, but this is supported by the research, as you say, in several different lab- laboratory settings. Yes. Um, and babies and toddlers can judge the goodness and badness of yep. other actions. Yep. Um, and they want to reward the good and they want to punish the bad yep. as well. Um, they feel compassion, guilt, Uh, and righteous anger as well. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about why this research is so important. What does it tell us about who we are and how we treat our kids? More to come on Life Beats on Pulse95. You're listening to Pulse95. Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Yes, we are back with uh, Anissa Sharif, a conscious parenting expert. We're talking about rewards and uh, those uh, experiments uh, and the research that says that actually we as human beings are hardwired to know what's right and to know what's wrong. And um, Anissa, what can we learn from these experiments if we are already hardwired to know what's good and what's bad then why do we see ourselves why do we see kids go off track and do the wrong thing since you know in these experiments they seem to be choosing um what's actually right and what's actually wrong even from a young age even as infants and toddlers so what's going on here so we talked a little bit last week about the brain and this part of the brain, which is the prefrontal cortex mm. that is responsible for regulating our behavior. So the, the regulating part comes from uh, this part. Um, this part of the brain doesn't develop fully until the age of 21. And even with adults with fully developed prefrontal cortex, they have difficult times, we all do, uh, when to regulate or to think clearly or to make a good judgment when our physical needs or emotional needs are not met. So if we're so hungry, if we're sleep deprived, if we are tired, sick, um, and uh, anxious, uh, sad, we can't think clearly. And we all say this, I'm, I'm too tired to think clearly. Yeah. And we make poor judgments and we yell at our kids and all of that. So imagine 
what is the effect of this on kids who already has an underdeveloped uh, thinking brain, right. let's call it. And one of the vital needs that kids need is connection with a loving adult. And when they lose this connection, when it gets broken, and it's so fragile, especially with young kids, they need it constantly. They need to feel your love coming to them on regular uh, pace during the day. When this gets broken, they usually signal to us that this connection is broken through off-track behavior. Mm. So it's think of it as if uh, a little child is telling you, I can't feel your love. I, I am confused. And that's I why we hear say. that so often. You know, if your child is playing up, you know, it's actually it's about your connection with them. Maybe mm -hmm. they're trying to get your attention. Yeah, I, I don't like the word attention a lot because we're using it or we're conditioned to use it in a way that's kind of negative as if attention is negative. But they need connection. Mm. And if we think of connection as a bad as a vital um, need, it's not going to be bad or as bad as attention. So we, we keep saying, oh, they need attention. Don't give them that attention. Then the behavior is going to be um, it's going to get worse, know, get worse. Mm. But actually, uh, no, I mean, you need to give them the connection so they can get access to their thinking brain and they can regulate better. This is the um, the way that science is telling us wow. to look at the relationship between a parent and the child. That's amazing. Okay, so what's important now as well? Okay, connection aside, um, let's go back to the whole reward mm -hmm. and punishment system. Mm -hmm. Okay, why is reward not a good idea? What's science telling us there? So we already established the fact that it's uh, not something that we can use to uh, encourage good from bad, which is the discipline part. There is another part with, which is the motivation. Right. So we use rewards sometimes to motivate certain behaviors. We want them to eat their vegetables. Mm -hmm. We want them to do their homework. We want them to tidy their rooms. And what science is telling us about the motivation part, and this is all research, uh, documented research. You can just go and Google uh, motivations, uh, science of motivation, and you'll find lots of research there. But uh, one of the interesting um experiments that was done in Stanford University. Um, some scient scientists designed this experiment where they had a big room with a one-way mirror and researchers will be on the other side of the mirror. In the room, you will have lots of activities and they will let, um, you know, um, little kids, two, three years old, to go inside and choose the activity that they like. One of the activities was coloring with magical uh, colors. And they noticed which one of those kids were attracted intrinsically, or uh, they have an internal motivation, or they liked the coloring activity. Mm. They've kind of um, noticed those kids, and then they took them uh, individually now to another experiment. So they put them in a room, they've asked them to make a picture using these uh, magical colors under three conditions. So one of the groups, they would uh, tell them that there is a reward. So they will show them a badge, something 
fancy written on it, like the best painter or something. And mm-hmm. they would say, if you draw a nice picture, you'll get this badge. So that was kind of bribing them to, to do the activity. The second group, they asked them to do the activity, but they rewarded them after. So they nothing was said about a reward from the beginning, mm-hmm. but they gave them the reward later on. The third group, they didn't give them any reward. They just gave them feedback on their work like they did with the other two groups. And then they took the same kids back to the activity room where there was lots of activities again. And they've noticed that the first group who was bribed to do the coloring, 50% of them, they were not interested in the coloring activity anymore. And that was a really shocking and interesting finding for those scientists. We have experiments like this designed uh, and replicated in multiple places, multiple uh, universities. And what about the group that you know was given a reward afterwards? It, they, the drop in interest was less than 50%. And those who were given no reward at all? It was almost the same. Mm-hmm. So what now we know about... Uh, rewards is that it kind of kills your in, in, internal motivation to do things. So interesting, and it's, it's and it's it's very used in and common knowledge in corporations. Now we talk about autonomy, mastery, sense of purpose, and it's accepted because it's uh, uh, you know when you give people just monetary rewards, it's good for a certain extent. Then after that, then it stops working. It doesn't work. Coming up next on Live Feeds with Anissa Sharif, we're going to be talking about what we should be doing instead. How do we encourage kids to self-regulate? Because actually that's what we want to see more of. And even for us as adults, this is fascinating research. Really interesting stuff. More to come on Live Feeds on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. Life Beats Beats. with Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. Oh my gosh, the conversations (laughs) that we're having uh, offline as well as on the air are amazing. Um, Wow, talking uh, rewards, talking punishments, talking uh, how to get your kids to self-regulate because there's so much research now that shows that um, it's really not about giving rewards. You know, the and, and the funny thing is, you know, the stickers only last for so long. Yeah, and they're only exciting and interesting for a few years and then... For five minutes. <laughs> yeah. If only it was a few years and then it gets more expensive. The rewards yeah, get more expensive. Of course. And then it's pointless because as they grow up, as they become adults... How on earth are they supposed to understand and know uh, how to self-regulate, how yeah. to motivate themselves, yes. you know, rather than relying on external motivation mm-hmm. all the time? And this is this is key, really, True. to becoming an adult and to becoming somebody, you know, who is creative, who can take risks, mm-hmm. calculated risks in life. Who can go through tough times without breaking. Yes. Who can yes. solve problems, who can empathize with others as well. That's to be important. resilient. Yes, and empathy. Absolutely. Empathy is so important. Okay, so uh, this is the thing uh, we're talking about today, rewards. Uh, and we're, we're kind of 
I want to ask you about this, Anisa, because uh, a lot of parents are asking, uh, so should we just not reward our kids at all? Yeah. How does this work? <laughs> so uh, what we know from science now, same experiments that we just talked mm. about before the break, that rewards, and this is not like common knowledge now in um, even cooperation. And you need money to a certain extent. And then it stops being... Um, your inter- your motivation. People are looking for more meaning to what they do. They they're looking for autonomy, mastery, sense of purpose. So, what we know that rewards, and when we talk about kids, we talk about mon- monetary rewards and also emotional bribing. Like I love you if you do this, and I right. I'm not gonna like you if you do that. So rewards and the general term. The words work for mechanical tasks. They can give you good results. Straightforward stuff. Straight, yes. But for cognitive uh, skills, building cognitive skills and mm. values, they're they're terrible. They will kill their internal your inter, internal motivation and they're not it's like, you know, the, human beings are wired to think if you're giving me something to do this, it's mu- it must be boring. You know, it, it must, must not be, be worthwhile. Yeah. So yeah. we do this, and I'm also guilty of that. I've done this for a while. Like, eat your vegetables, and then you can have the dessert. So <laughs> yes, what we're exactly. doing, actually, Every parent says that. is we're making the dessert much more valuable than the good stuff, the vegetables. And on the long run, this is the value that we are installing in our kids. If you want to use rewards, it's fine. I mean, like it's not the end of the day, but you have to understand the limitations of them. They're not going to teach ki- your kids values. They're not going to give them sense of purpose. Actually, don't use them for the important stuff. Mm. The imp- if you want them to, we were discussing this example, like take the garbage out. And I don't know if any kid do this in the UAE <laughs> anyway but something that you're not expecting them to love mm. or like you just yeah. want them to do right and you want to give them a reward for that but don't expect that they will keep doing it when you take the reward away and that's the, the important thing yeah, yeah. Mm. when you take the reward away there it's not going to be interesting if you really want them to be um interested in something then this needs to be motivated internally from their own. You need to model that for them. You need to give them lots of love, lots of connection time. So you are building their thinking brain. But also, you know, modeling the the whole idea that, you know, things that deserve to be done, deserve to be done. Exactly. Regardless of reward or punishment. Yeah. I'll give you an example. It's really interesting. When Jenna went um, to uh, big school, so we we never did rewards in our house and she never we were lucky to have a nursery that didn't do that as well. So she liked stickers but she had plenty of this, of the stickers everywhere stickers. So it wasn't something that we use yeah. as a, a It wasn't reward. a motivator, yeah. No. Uh, one day she came but school of course they had these charts and stickers and stars and whatever. One day when I picked her up in the car she said uh, Mama, you know, I got this uh, 
star or something on the wall today. And I said, yeah, good. What have you done? She said, I helped someone to open their water bottle. And of course, I didn't want to emphasize the star thing. And I said, I'm so proud of you for helping your friend. She paused for a minute and, and then she looked at me and, sh- and said, you know, I'm going to make sure that Miss X, whatever, see me every time I do something good so she can give me a star. And I went, oh, my God, all my hard work <laughs> is kind of blown up by a star. But of course it wasn't because mm. after a few months, this stopped being interesting yeah. for her. Yeah. And she is the most helpful little girl I've seen. She It's just be- automatic for her. Because we always talk about how important it is to help others, mm. how important it is to make people feel good. And when she does something good or she feels good or someone does something good to her or she does something good to me, mm. I even if it's like bringing a tissue, I'll just say that. Oh, thank you for helping me. You know, you're helping me a lot. And there is a value of being helpful. That means so much more when somebody says that to you, because then you realize uh, the impact that you're having on somebody, on yeah. somebody's life. It can be the tiniest little tiny thing, yeah. but actually it can make a huge difference in that person's day. Of course. And there, for kids, you have to understand that everything is amplified in their word. Right. It's because huge. It's a big word and everything yeah. we think take for granted is a big thing for them. Yeah, yeah. So even the smallest appreciation register big time. means so much. It means so much. I want to come back with you, Anissa, in just a moment. Okay, to talk about what else we can do, you know, yes. emphasizing those uh, little moments that actually mean a lot to adults too. True. You know, I love the little things and sometimes we take that for granted mm-hmm. and we don't realize the impact that um, little things when uh, they accumulate those all those little beautiful actions actually mean so much we're going to be back with Anissa in just a moment on Life Beats on Pulse 95 Pulse 95 You're listening to Pulse 95 Pulse 95 It's Pulse 95 Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95 Talking rewards and punishment, uh, not just for kids, but for adults even as well. I think there's a lot that we can learn from this uh, with Anissa Sharif, conscious parenting expert, he, expert here in the studio, if I can get my words out. Um, what can we do then, um, Anissa, if uh, reward is only so limited um, and mm-hmm. it's really not going to give us the long-term results that we want of building character, building empathy? So what should we be do- doing instead? It's all about focusing on building the relation. Mm-hmm. If you have a strong connection. relation with your child, yeah. a strong connection, um, you'll, you'll get there. Mm-hmm. It will take time and you have to realize this. You can't just you know, condition kids. They will keep showing you these off-track behaviors, but you need to understand that it's only for a time. <laughs> then they will pick it up mm-hmm. if you keep doing it, if you keep modeling it. If, if I'm going to go and give you um, practical tips, so the, the first tried and tested thing that you can do is the special time. We talked about it a little bit last week and it's uh, a chance. It's like this vitamin that you give to your child before even they get the uh, virus. You know, So we don't wait until we see 
off-track behavior, we design this in our schedule. It becomes part of our day. You have like, to nourish that relationship exactly. first. Exactly. We yeah. need to, like we give them food five, three times a day or five times if we're counting snacks. We need to schedule space in our relation to connect, to yeah. pour this love inside of them. And when I say connect, I don't mean, we usually, and I, I get this a lot, We people who said, we spend all the time with our kids. Like, for example, I'm a stay at uh, home mom and I am always with my child. But if we notice, we're always there giving them instructions. Put your shoes on, tidy your bed, don't hit your sister, eat your food, all of that. What we need to do in special time, even if it's five minutes, is take this parenting hat off and let the child lead. Don't give any advice. Don't give any instructions. Let them choose. We usually go in and say things like, let's play this game together right. or let's go out together. It's always our agenda. Right. And children very rarely get the chance to put their agenda on there. And there's a lot to be said about time, a special time. But if you design it in your relation to be part of your day-to-day -day routine, you will immediately see the difference because you're giving that connection, you're giving this love, you're nourishing their soul, and you're giving this, their thinking brain the chance to grow and develop. Just say yes. Yeah. Say yes to what they suggest. Of course. Even if they want you to read you that storybook that you've read 20,000 times yes. that you're totally sick of, you have to do it. Yeah. Even if you, they want you to play that game with them that you can't stand, that mm -hmm. you think is boring, but they love it. The, the trick here is to um, have less rules as possible, but you always have to be mindful and conscious about your own ability because the worst thing that you can do is give them this 10 minutes and then you be fidgeting or you'll be bored and you can't be 100% with them. So it's okay sometimes, especially when you start doing it for the first few times, to say, okay, uh, I, I have 10 minutes, I can spend it with you. What do you want to do? But it, it has to be in your room. We're not going to do any electronics or I'm not going to play this room. We're not going to run. Whatever you think they will ask and you can't do, it's okay. So put it as a rule in the beginning and then maybe you can take it take it away when yeah. you get used to and you build your own muscle to tolerate what your kids asking because you all also need to balance your needs and their needs it can be really difficult because you know uh we're talking a lot about building that connection with our kids mm -hmm. um but for say parents who are um both working mm -hmm. um and spending long hours at work and and um almost you know, being exhausted by mm -hmm. what they do, you know, outside of the home and then coming home and being with their kids. You want so much to be with your kids, um, yeah. but you feel like, you know, you're spent almost, like what you've got emotionally. Mm -hmm. You don't really have it there to give, to give that time. Um, but this is the way to do it, to kind of gradually schedule time. Yes. And you have to take care of yourself in the process as well. If you don't have the energy, if you have, you're carrying lots of emotional baggage that's unresolved, it's so hard to do these things. Mm. So one of the things that you can, the best thing actually you can do for your kids is to work on your own emotional baggage. Because this is the hardest part 
and this is the one that we get scared of the yes. most but as long as they're there and it's not solved it's so hard to give 100% of you to your kids and you'll have it will be um more liability you know it's like um i have all this emotional baggage and on top of this i have to pretend that i'm there and i have to give myself my kids and i have to be with them and i have to hold the space for them that that's a huge burden to take right if you work on your emotional baggage you will see that it's going to be gradually easier and easier to sit with their kids and with your kids and hold the space for them again anisa you've ended the show on a big one <laughs> this oh, is going to yeah. have to be next week's topic for us you know in terms of um because parenting is actually all about us yeah it's not about the kids most of it yes most of it most is of actually it is. about us so we got ha- we have to because there's a couple more things to talk about with in terms of reward what else yeah. we can do we're going to be talking about that you're going to be back on Tuesday morning yeah. 10 a.m. listen in Tuesday 10 a.m. Anisa is going to be back uh we're going to be talking about uh how to deal with that emotional baggage the triggers yeah. that we have mm-hmm. um as parents that can be really difficult and really scary because we it don't is. want to tell the truth about what we're feeling inside and sometimes yeah. we feel like we need to block it all out mm-hmm. so that we can you know deal yeah, with it's, everything it's hard to go there because it can be scary mm. it's it, things that we don't want to remember or emotion we don't want to feel again it's important to go back and visit them and we'll talk and more about it. it. Yeah. and feel it we're going to yeah. go there guys We're going to go there next week with Anisa. I think it's going to be an amazing show and I cannot wait for you to be back. Oh, Anisa Sharif, Conscious Parenting Expert, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Always amazing having you on. Coming up we meet ambassador advocate act activist, champion of the arts and so much more Rosanne Ahmed. She's going to be with me in the studio coming up next on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10am.